Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. We ask as we go to your word right now that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Lord, give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us this morning. Thank you for everyone who's here, those that are watching on live stream, those that will hear this on the radio later. May you minister to every heart. We pray for the, all the women up at the women's retreat. I pray that they would be blessed as they, they finish up their time worshiping and studying your word. And again, I pray for anybody who's new here today that they would feel welcomed and loved. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray and all God's people said. So quickly, 1 John, if you got the outline from last week, you got the, it's got the same outline this week. And so this is a time when the Gnostics were teaching a false gospel. They believed they had their own special knowledge. Part of their knowledge was that the flesh could be uh, you know, sinful as long as you've given your life to the Lord. So you're saved in the spirit and you can live ungodly in the flesh because the two things were not connected. They also taught that Jesus didn't come in bodily form. So there was false teaching in the early church. Then there was also persecution from the outside. If you were a Christian in those days, you could be arrested, uh, you could be beaten, uh, you could even be tortured, fed to lions. And so as this letter is being written by John the apostle, the apostle whom Jesus loved, He's writing it to a church that is being persecuted from the outside and has false teaching on the inside. Now, we got to 1 John chapter 5 last week, and I titled the message, What Can We Know For Sure? You know, we live in a world today that doesn't even really believe in absolute truth. It makes people nervous when you say something is the truth or something is absolute. Well, we as believers know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. Amen? So he is the truth, and there are things we can know for sure. And if you're a born-again believer, you can know these five things for sure. Now, we looked at the first one last week. We're going to look at uh, the second two, uh, two and three this week, and we'll finish up uh, with number four and five next week. So we can know for sure, last week we looked at the fact, we can know for sure that Jesus is God. Amen. There is no other God. There is no other name before him. He's the Alpha and Omega, the almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful God. He's not created. He is the creator. And he's not a God, but the one and only true and living God. And three bear witness of him. We saw this last week. You can go online and watch it. The spirit, the water, and the blood. And he's risen over sin and death. Now, the two we're going to look at this morning is you can know for sure that you are going to heaven. Is there anything more important than that? Where you spend eternity, this life is but a vapor compared to eternity. And when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. And, what, and it all comes down to, do you know God's son? What have you done with God's son? If you're born again, we'll talk about the fact that you have eternal life. It's not a hope so, it's a no so, and you are going to heaven. And number three, God answers prayer. We can know for sure that God answers prayer. I'm probably, if we, if we have enough time, we went along with announcements, uh, I'm going to get you guys out of your comfort zone a little bit, and I think what we're going to do at the end of the message, if we have a few minutes, is we're going to break up into groups, and we're going to pray for each other. Amen? 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 Okay? And you know what? The Bible says, you shall make my father's house a house of prayer. Next week, we will see you can know for sure that you are no longer a slave to sin, and you can know for sure that you know the truth. So let's begin there looking at what we can know for sure. First, that you are going to heaven. Now, again, this is qualified. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, if you have been born again, if you have recognized you're a sinner, you've repented and you've surrendered your life to the Lord, you can know for sure that you are going to heaven. Verse 11 says this, and this is 
the testimony. So the previous two verses, let me read verses 9 and 10, because he's saying what I just said, this is the testimony. John in previous verses just told him how important and serious the matter of receiving the testimony of God is. All who reject the testimony are calling God a liar. Let's read verses 9 and 10. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has witness in himself. He who does not believe uh, God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. The testimony is Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen from the dead, the truth of who Jesus is, that he is the Savior of the world. He's the only way to heaven. And so that is the testimony that we either accept or reject. With God, you're either for him or against him. There is no middle ground. The word of God is, is true. It's black and white. There's no gray. We either believe it or we don't. And so he exhorts him here and he says, and this is the testimony. Again, Jesus was testified to, that talks about in the Bible that it was always needed to be two or three witnesses before something could be accepted as truth. Well, we talked about this last week, it bears reminding, at the water baptism of Jesus, at the beginning of his public ministry, as Jesus came down at 30 years of age, now about to start his public ministry, John the Baptist was baptizing in the Jordan, and he looked up and he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That was one testimony that was from John. But then as he came and he was baptized, God the Father from heaven spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and John the Baptist all testifying to the fact that Jesus Christ is God. Amen? And he is the Savior of the world. Also, not just in the waters we talked about last week, but in the blood at the cross of Calvary. When Jesus hung on the cross, the whole world went dark for three hours. That doesn't happen unless God's in control. Not the, it wasn't an eclipse. The entire world went dark. The earth shook. Shook so much that graves opened up and dead people got up and started walking around. That didn't happen when Muhammad died. Can I get an amen to that? Didn't happen when anyone else died. He triumphed over sin and death. The veil was torn, the veil into the Holy of Holies, so we can enter into God's presence. We can pray anywhere and anytime. It's not just the high priest one day a year, but again, we can, have, we can have access to the King of Kings. The Roman soldier, after seeing all this, said, truly this is, or this was the Son of God. He just forgot the, he said was when it's is, amen? So Jesus rose from the dead, what do all this mean to the first century Christians? What does it mean to us today? His words and actions have made it very clear that Jesus is both God the Son and the Son of God. Amen? He's both God the Son and the Son of God, and he alone is the way to heaven. Jesus is God, and we can trust every word of his testimony. See, everything that the Lord says. By the way, there's a new trend right now called red-letter Christians, and they only believe the red letters in the Bible. Uh, Jesus is the, is the word, and all of the Bible points to him. Can I get an amen to that? And it's all without error, and we don't elevate any words above another. I've had people say to me, well, that's only in the Bible once. I go, how many times has it got to be in there? Can I get an amen? So the word of God is true. It's the foundation for life. It is the testimony that we follow. And then he says this, and this is the testimony, what Jesus did, his death, burial, his resurrection, and raising from the dead, he is the son of God, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. This is a God's essential message to man. 
Eternal life can only come through Jesus Christ. Now, one of the things that Jack had asked me repeatedly, and we did our best at it yesterday, is he would come up to me at least a dozen times over the years, and he would say, when I die, I need you to get up and talk about Jesus, and don't be shy about it, because they won't listen to me when I'm alive, but they'll have to listen to me after I'm dead. <laughs> Anybody who knows Jack, and they'll have to listen to me after I'm dead. Can't you just hear Jack, right? But his whole point was that they need to hear the gospel. Because you know what? This is all that really matters. The only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. It's so easy to get distracted and lose sight of what really matters. What really matters is knowing Christ and making him known to a lost and a dying world. Amen? That's why we live and move and breathe. That's why we were created. God has given us eternal life. Guys, eternal life doesn't start when we die. We have it right now. Amen? We're going to heaven. We're going to spend eternity with the creator of the universe. Uh, you know, we, we did a funeral yesterday. We're doing one today. I had three family members go to heaven last year. A lot of people in this room have had people, you know, go to heaven. And guys, that's, you know what that is? Heaven is wonderful. We miss them. We grieve, but not as those without hope. Amen? Because you know what? Because God's son, God sent his son to die on the cross. I get to see my son again. You get to see your loved ones again. But guys, what we want to do is we want to do everything we can to get out of our comfort zone to make sure the people we love hear the truth because we want them all to be there. Amen? I don't like to bring it up all the time, but you know, when my son passed away, people have said to me, it's been a year now, and people will say to me, it still hurts. They'll say to me, that's the worst thing that could ever happen. I'll say, well, as a parent, from a worldly perspective, I agree 100%. But it's not the worst thing that can ever happen because Mark knew Jesus. The worst thing that could ever happen is if he died, he didn't know Jesus, and that would be rough. Amen? But see, Christians die well. We close our eyes on earth. We open them up in glory. And you heard me say it before. Christians don't die. We just move to a much better neighborhood. Amen? We have eternal life. And the good news, I'm so stoked about heaven. You know what's great? We get rid of these bodies we're living in. These creaky old falling apart, the older I get, things are going to just go away. We're going to have a perfect body. I'm going to have hair in heaven. Amen. (laughs) No more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more suffering. Heaven is a wonderful place. I want to go there. Amen. It's an old Sunday school song for you older people. See, this is God's essential message to man. The first century Christians who were being both outwardly persecuted for their faith and inward attempts at being swayed away from the truth by false teachers and the message to us today as well when it's so easy for us to get sidetracked by the cares of this life or the latest truth or the newest spiritual wave again if it's new it's not true and if it's true it's not new god's essential message both then and today is eternal life is a gift from god that can only come by receiving his son jesus christ You cannot go to heaven any other way. And I know that we, sometimes it's hard for us to share our faith with other people. And have you ever noticed it's easier to pray for people than it is to tell them about Jesus? You know why? Because it's easier to talk to God about people than it is to talk to people about God. But the reality is that as believers, we should be talking to people about God every day. I didn't get one amen in the room. Thanks, Brett. (laughs) We should be talking to people about God every day. I already know, I do this often. I think about, stand, you ever do think about this? Think about standing before the Lord the moment you enter into heaven. And think about when he's going to, we, he's, I've already been redeemed, so I don't, I don't have to worry about the lake of fire. Thank you, Jesus, by his grace. But we are gonna be shown, I believe, 
the things that we did, and we're going to be rewarded for those, but some of the things that we didn't. And I think when I stand there that day, there'll be things that I regret. There'll be people that I wished I had shared my faith with, and I'll be grieved that I wimped out because I was more concerned about how they're going to feel about me than where they spend eternity. Lord, help us to get past that. Amen? To just stop worrying about... You know, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake, for so they did the prophets who went before you. You know what? Persecution from the world is just a sign you're being used by God. And the more you're used by God, the bigger target that'll be on your back. And I just pray I'm on Satan's top 10 hit list. I mean, really. Because I want us to, guys, the time is short. We need to be busy about his work. Amen? And he is the answer. We have the antidote to the death serum. Right? Everybody's got this, you know, this disease. It's called sin, and they're all dying, and they're going to spend eternity separated from Almighty God. And how dare we keep it to ourselves? Amen? So pray for divine appointments. Pray for opportunities to share your faith. Because, guys, we have eternal life, and it's better than, than the 401k that's been cut in half in the stock market lately. Amen? <laughs> it's better than anything else you would put your hope in. When we put our hope in Christ, it's eternal it's not something you receive when you die. The word there, eternal, in, in original language, means perpetual, eternal, forever, and everlasting. Boy, I like that. You know what? Have you ever thought about that? God's always been. Well, where was he? He was there. Well, where was he before? He was there. Well, we, where was he before? And then your head starts to explode, amen? And then you think about heaven. We're going to be there, and then we're going to be there, and when are we going to leave? Never. And God's going to be on the throne, and, and heaven's going to be a wonderful place. And I want you all to go there. Amen? It's received at the moment you're born again. As soon as you give your life to Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit goes from being with you to in you. Your, the down payment on heaven has been deposited into your life. And you will never, ever have to worry again about where you will spend eternity. doesn't mean that in this life you won't have tribulation because you will. It doesn't mean you won't go through difficulties and trials in this life because it's a fallen world. But the thing that we can always hold on to is the fact that we've been forgiven, that the one who knows me best loves me most. We've been redeemed. We have the promise of eternal life. We have the down payment on heaven in the person of the Holy Spirit. How many of you have the down payment on heaven in your heart right now? Can we say hallelujah to that? Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Don't ever lose sight of that. When we cry out to Jesus, we confess our sin and make him not just our Savior, but our, the Lord of our lives. The Holy Spirit again comes into us. Before we met Jesus, we were spiritually dead and lost, trying to fill the emptiness in our lives with temporal things that, that temporal things can never fill. Sex won't do it. Drugs won't do it. Money won't do it. Fame won't do it. Possessions won't do it popularity with the world won't do it. All that stuff's going to burn. It won't matter in heaven. When this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last and nothing else will matter. The word eternal also speaks not only of the quantity, but the quality of life. It doesn't mean that your life's easier, but isn't your life so much better since you gave your life to Jesus Christ? What's the answer to that? So it's not, just, it's not just the quantity of life, it's the quality of life. See, before we knew the Lord, life had no meaning. We couldn't figure it out. We were wandering around trying to find answers and experimenting, and that's why the Jesus Revolution was so amazing. All these young people are experimenting with drugs and you know, LSD and everything else, and then they met Jesus and realized that high I was trying to find over there, I don't need it. We don't need spirits, we have the spirit living inside of us, amen? 
And what a joy that is in the quality of life. I can't imagine living this life without Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning doing that, I, I pray that you won't walk off this campus not having come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen? We're going to live forever chronologically, but it's also the quality of life that begins here and now, the moment that we give our life to Jesus. Life without Jesus is empty. Forget who it was, I think it was Constantine that said that, or St. Augustine, one of the others said that there's a God-shaped vacuum in every man's life that only Jesus can fill. Everything else we try to put in there doesn't last. You were created to have a relationship with Almighty God. Beginning now, he came that we might have life and life more abundant. And then when we one day leave these temporary tents, we will most fully experience the perfect, unending glory, holiness, and joy of heaven. And I can't wait. No matter how great we think heaven is, heaven is better. I was driving home and I actually caught Greg Laurie after the funeral yesterday, and Greg Laurie was talking about heaven. He was talking about Jesus' glorified body, and more than likely that will be our body. Remember, remember after he died on the cross, he still had a, a body, a physical body, but he walked through doors, and he ascended to heaven. He's like, we might be superheroes in heaven. But you know, the, the reality is that whatever it is, whatever it is, it's going to be amazing. And, you know, he only spent six days creating this planet, and it's fallen, and you see how beautiful many places on this planet are. He's gone away 2,000 years ago to prepare a place for us in heaven that won't be fallen. So can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? It's going to be amazing. It's going to make, it's going to make uh, the most beautiful, it's going to make Hawaii look like a dummy, dung heap. Amen? says this in Ephesians 2, he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Then the ages to come, he might show exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He raised us up together and made us sit together with the Lord. We have eternal life now. We are saved now. We have the promise of heaven to come, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. We can know for sure that we have eternal life. We're going to heaven. It's not a hope so. It's not, I hope I'm going to go. I, I, I hope, I hope. Well, I compare to other people. I'm better than other people. So, but God doesn't grade on a curve. He grades at the cross. He doesn't compare you to other men. He compares us all to Christ. We all fall short. That's why Jesus went. Isn't it good to know that he knows every wicked, vile thing you've ever done or thought? He knows every frailty in your life and he loves you most. That's our God. Amen. You don't have to get better to be accepted. You just need to get on your knees and cry out to him. Then it says there, we move on. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Eternal life is not a reward we earned, but a gift that we received. See, the gift is his son. God sent his son. Here's the gift. The greatest gift ever given was his son was given to us. And so salvation is offered universally, must be accepted individually. And so God offers salvation to us all and he will never force it on us, but now it's our opportunity to accept that gift that he gives to us. And again, if, it's, if, it was, if salvation was, uh, you know, was earned, it would be a paycheck, not a gift, right? But it's not a paycheck, it's a gift because God gave it. Now, when you give someone a gift, do you give it to them because they earned it? When you receive a gift you, you know, from someone who loves you, it's because you earned it, no, it's because they love you and they want to bless you. And God gave us his son because he loves you. He wants to bless you. He wants to have a relationship with you. You are his treasured possession. He loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. Don't leave here without him, amen? 
Eternal life is not a reward, but a gift received. At salvation, we pass from death to life, not at our good works, but through the relationship with Jesus. Notice it says at the end of that verse there in 11, it says, this life is in his son. This abundant, eternal, joyous life we're talking about can only be found in Jesus. It's not found in Muhammad. It's not found in Buddha. It's not found in Krishna. It's not found in the New Age movement. It's not found in good works. It's not found in Scientology. It's not found in any other thing. It's in his son. It's not found in the church you go to. It's not found in your denomination. It's found in Jesus Christ and him alone. Amen? He alone is the way and the truth and the life. It's not found in drugs. It's not found in pleasure. It's not found in intellectual pursuits. It's not found in money. It's not found in meditation or Eastern mysticism or contacting the dead. After my son died, the lady across the street said, oh, I can come over and I, 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 I'm a medium and I can help you talk to your son. Um, if we talked to anybody, it would be the devil. So no thanks. Can I get an amen to that? I didn't say that. I want to witness to her. I want to tell her about Jesus. I said, I appreciate your perspective, but we know where our son is. He's just fine. We didn't lose him. He's not lost. We know exactly where he is, but we're going to miss him every day. Amen. It's not found in meditation or Eastern mysticism. It's only found in Jesus. There's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. People today are shying away from calling themselves Christians. Churches are changing their name to something that doesn't make any sense. We're called the whatever, the clock or the whatever. I mean, it's got names, right? We're the, we're the journey. We're the this. You know what? I love being called a Christian. How about you? Why would I shade who I am or hide who I am or pretend not to be who we are? Man, I love Jesus and I love the name that is above all names. So Jesus alone is the way the truth and the life and the only name under heaven by which men must be saved. Boy, that sounds narrow-minded. You know, the truth always is. Two plus two is four. Oh man, you're just like, you know, you're bagging on my truth, bro. I'm not so sure about that. Maybe it's seven in my world and four in your world. No, it's four. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> and this mentality that everybody's got their own truth and their own path and their own way. No, Jesus is the only way. Those tens of thousands of hippies that got saved was on the cover of Time magazine. They didn't get saved because someone gave them a message of their truth to try to find their own path. This is the way. Give your life to Jesus Christ. He loves you so much, you'd rather die than live without you. Who wants to give your life to him? And hands go up and lives are changed. Amen? He's the only way. There's no other hope. There's only, this is a reason that only Jesus can redeem us because he alone is the truth. Because our perfect, holy, sinless Son of God and God the Son can pay for our sin. As a matter of fact, no other path even claims to forgive your sin. Did you know that? Muhammad never claimed to forgive anybody's sin. Buddha never. Buddha sat under a bushu tree wondering where he was going to go when he died. And sadly, because he didn't know the Lord, we know where he is, unfortunately, right? All the, there's no other faith that even says that your sins can be forgiven. Muhammad was a prophet of the sword and a, uh, you know, a pedophile, a train wreck. You know, and, and if they were convert or die with a sword to your throat, he never claimed. At the end of his life, he, didn't, he, he said he didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, Anton LeBay, the Satanist, the headquarters of the Church of Satan was right near the church I pastored in Santa Cruz. And when he died, his last words were, oh no, oh no, oh no. My word is going to be, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. Thank you, Jesus. I've been in the room with people who are Christians, 
And it's a phenomenon that blows my mind, and I've seen this more than once, where they have this last moment where they kind of just sit up, and I've seen them where they're looking, and they'll say, it's beautiful. Look at all the people. And they're just in awe, and they reach their hand out, and then they close their eyes and go to heaven. Guys, I'm ready for that. How about you? The best 401k ever. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen? That's what we want to hear. As a matter of fact, again, no other path. And yet the truth is sin that keeps us from God. And again, but he will, he's faithful and just. It says in Isaiah 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is uh, ear heavy that he cannot hear. You can't, there's, I don't care what you've done. You're not beyond salvation. I don't care what your past is. You might say, Pastor, you don't understand all the things I've been through. God knows, and he still loves you. Amen? I don't care how simple you've been, how wicked you think you've been, how horrible you've been. The woman at the well, right? Married five times, shacking up with a guy out in the noonday sun, fetching water because all the other women mocked her for her immorality. And Jesus came and gave her living water. And she went back into the town and brought the whole town out to meet Jesus because he is one who redeems even those that seem unredeemable. Aren't you glad that you can't sin so much that you cannot be forgiven? Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Amen? And praise God for that. It says in Ezekiel, the soul that sins shall die. In Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The price involved in paying for our sins is death. It can only come for somebody dying. Either you pay the price for your sins or you let Jesus pay when he went to the cross of Calvary. Our sin required a perfect sacrifice, and that's why Jesus came. Jesus alone is perfect. Jesus alone could pay. Jesus alone did pay the price for your sin. The life is in the Son. There's no other way. Verse 12, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Is there any misunderstanding of that verse? Is that hard to understand? Do we need theologians to get up here and break this down for you? Here it is. Let me say it again. He who has the Son has what? And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Is that hard to figure out? So if you have Christ, you have life in him, and it's eternal life. If you do not have the Son, you don't have life. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. Again, you're either for me or you're against me. It's as clear as it can be that Jesus is the only source of life. Without Jesus, we're dead, we're lost, and we're going to hell. Oh, pastor said hell. I didn't know we were having that. I just came to visit her. I'm new here. Guys, the Bible, Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. And our passion should be that every believer this side of heaven should be burdened for every unbeliever this side of hell. Amen? Hell is real. I mentioned Luke 16 yesterday, Lazarus and the rich man, and the rich man is actually in torment. And he looks across this great gulf and he sees the beggar who had gone into paradise, which would become heaven. And he's saying, can he just put his finger in water and come and dip and relieve my tongue. This man had been wealthy in his life. He had everything the world had to offer, but he had not given his life to the Lord. Now he's in eternal torment. You know what he says after that? Go tell my family. Go tell my family. I don't want him to come here. See, people will say, well, if I go to hell, I'll be shaking hands with all my friends. We'll be partying. I know you won't. Hell is, I mean, I don't want one minute in hell. I certainly don't want an eternity in hell. We should be burdened for everybody that's headed there. Amen? 
It's a real place. And we don't want to go there. And we don't want people to go there. Isn't there another path for different people? I, got, I had a co-worker years ago. I went to visit him. I hadn't seen him in a long time. And we went out to dinner. And he actually had dinner at his house. And he said, oh, you're still a Christian? I said, uh, yeah. Am I still a man? Am I still a human being? Yes. Amen. And I didn't change it. Can I get an amen? He took me out into his garage. He had a pool table and he, he took a book, uh, you know, a book, Hindu book, and he said, well, there's this, they believe this, and then this, they believe this. And he put them all on the table and he said, well, maybe it's Jesus for Europe and America, and then it, maybe it's Confucius for, you know, the Asian people, and maybe it's Buddha for the Chinese, and maybe it's this, and maybe it's that. He goes, couldn't God just do that? I said, God can do anything he wants, but he didn't do that because they all contradict each other. Amen? I've met people say, well, I kind of dabble in them all, so I'm covered. If you dabble in them all, you don't have Jesus. Amen? It's not Buddha for some people. And again, they believe in reincarnation, that you're going to die and get back, you know, I'm trying to achieve nothingness. That sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And, and then... The Hindus have 30 million gods that are all a bunch of statues, and they too believe in reincarnation. And then you got people that, and you know, all these false beliefs, and they all contradict each other. So only one can be true, and we know the truth because we're the only one that has a risen and living Savior who has triumphed over sin and death. Amen? And he's the only one that even claimed to die for us. See, the answer is the same be it Jew or Gentile, young or old, educated or uneducated, rich or poor. Asian, African, Indian, European, Middle Eastern, American, all, we're all saved the same way. It's Jesus and him alone. If there's any other way, if there was any other way, he would not have had to die on the cross. I really wanted to get some real quick. I had an uncle, my, my grandmother called me when I was living in Seattle back in the 80s, and she said, you've got a you know, fourth cousin twice removed on your niece's whatever, right? And you've got this relative. I want you to go see him. I'm like, okay. So my wife and I didn't have kids yet. We went to see them. We get there, and they had just been at a funeral, and the house was packed, and they, I met all these fifth cousins and all these people. I mean, so unrelated, I could marry them, so I don't know how married, you know what I mean? <laughs> but the point is, we get in there, and we started talking, and they were talking about the funeral, and they were like, well, we're going to see him in heaven one day. And I was like, well, praise the Lord. So he knew the Lord. He was, was he born again? And they're like, born again? What does that mean? And they're like, well, he was a good man. I mean, he gave out cookies to people in the neighborhood, and he helped mow people's lawns, and, you know, he was just a nice old guy. He would help us with his tools. It sounded like Jack. Come fix our stuff. And I said, well, he's a sinner, just like the rest of us, and he needs to be saved. And, my, my, and I start talking to them about it, and my poor wife's over there going, okay, we came here for dinner. Here we go, you know. <laughs> and I said, they're like, well, he was a good man. I said, how many times a day does a good man sin? I said, first of all, we all sin. How many of you guys sin way more than three times a day? Okay, if hands not up, you're lying, you're prideful, and you just sin again. Amen? But if you only sin three, I said, if you only sin three times a day, he's the best man I've ever let, met. That's a th roughly 1,000 sins a year. How old was he? He was 87. That's 87,000 sins. If, I, if he's the best man who ever lived, if you stood before a judge with 87,000 crimes, what would happen to you? Oh, you'd be thrown in jail. Yeah, you would. God can't have one sin in heaven or he's got earth part two. And the whole table is, a, 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 and they had all these crucifixes all over their house with Jesus still hanging on them. So you know they don't quite get it because he's not there anymore. He's risen. Can I get any into that? 
But I finally said, and this is what broke the ice. I said, you've got crucifixes all over the house. If being a good man could get you to heaven, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? And the table went silent. And my great uncle, five times removed on my great aunt's side or whatever, just looked at me and he went, that's a great question. I said, let me show you something. I went over to open, had one of those Bibles that's the size of a Toyota, you know, those big Bibles. <laughs> and I went over there to try to open it up, and he walked over, and he goes, we don't ever open that book. And I said, therein lies the problem. <laughs> it's only the cross. There's no other way. Amen? If, if, if God, God, he said in the garden... To the Father, Jesus said, there be any other way, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. See, there was no other way. There was no other sacrifice that could be made. All the Old Testament sacrifices were all pointing to him. So the question is, do you have the Son? The Gnostics taught, oh, there's a deeper truth. They reject the person of Christ. They're lost. Is salvation's not Salvation is in a person. It's not in a church. It's not in a denomination. It's not in a religion. Uh, my grandmother, my, my, my dad's stepdad was Lutheran. My, my grandfather died before I was born, and my grandmother remarried. And, and he, every time he'd see him, he goes, I'm going to heaven because I'm a Lutheran. I'm a Lutheran. They're from Texas, and they had that draw. Oh, I'm a Lutheran, man. I'm going to heaven because I'm a Lutheran. And, and I was sitting there listening to this. I was a youth pastor at the time. I was in my 20s. And I was sitting there listening to this, and my four foot eleven grandmother, we called her Granny, was sitting there in a rocking chair knitting. And Andre kept, Grandpa Andre kept saying, well, I'm going because I'm a Lutheran. I'm going because I'm a Lutheran. And I'm going to botch her voice for this sweet little voice. She goes, Andre, you don't go to heaven because you're a Lutheran. You go to heaven because of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I was over there going, go granny, go granny. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was just like, amen, amen, and amen. Guys, we don't put our faith in a church. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. We are the church, amen? Our faith is in him and in him alone. He alone is our Lord, our God, our Savior, and our King. Salvation, not what we know or who we know about. Eternal life is simply the matter of having a relationship with the Son. It's not knowing about Him or believing He exists, but having Him walking in intimate fellowship with Him. Is Jesus Christ your best friend? Are you married to the Lord? Do you wake up in the morning and see the first thing on your mind? Do you walk in intimate fellowship with the Creator of the universe? Verse 13. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. All this Gnostic stuff where they're teaching you about, you know, you can live like the devil or there's other paths to God or all these false teachers and all the persecution that comes against you. I want to assure you, John's saying to them, the last living apostle at that time. And what does he say? I've written these to you that you can, if you believe in the name of the Son of God, you can know that you have, you can hope that you have eternal life. Is that what it says? You can know that you have eternal life and you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Those who believe have eternal life. And John encourages these early believers with the truth they already knew. Guys, don't we need to be reminded? Doesn't it bless you to hear again today that you have eternal life? Aren't you like, oh, amen to that. I was thinking about work tomorrow. That's right, I have eternal life. Yeah, I checked my portfolio last night in the stock market. I have eternal life, amen? The things that can overwhelm us, the things that are going on in the world, it's good to be reminded because there's nothing better, Amen? 
might continue to believe he says that because you don't need a new word. You don't need a new message. You just need to be faithful to the word we already have. The key word here is believe in. The word in the Greek has the idea of trusting in someone, counting on them. You know, when, you, when you're counting on somebody, you're, you're expecting that they won't fail you. And the word here, believe on, it's good to count on Jesus. You can count on him. He will never, ever let you down. It goes beyond belief to putting your complete and full trust in him. James says, you believe that there is one God you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. It's got to go beyond belief to fully counting upon him, to fully trusting in him, to surrendering your life to the Lord. Are you counting on Jesus? Are you counting on him to pay for your sins? Are you counting on him to give you eternal life? He says that you may know you have eternal life. Again, we already have it. We're just going to pass from this into it, either through the rapture of the church or on the day we die. Guys, it's not wishful thinking. It's a matter of knowing, and we can know and have assurance. I know I'm beating this into the ground, but aren't you glad we have eternal life? Amen? Amen. It's what matters. Depends if it depends on me to have eternal life, then one day I'll think, maybe I'm saved, and another day, well, I really blew it. I hope he didn't come back today, right? I got to get to church and score some brownie points with God because I really messed up. Guys, we need to recognize who we are in Christ, that we've been adopted into his family, and no one will ever snatch us out of his hand. So point number one there, we can know for sure that you are going to heaven, that you have eternal life. And then number two, that God answers prayer. Look at verse 14. So now this is the confidence that we have in him, that we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, this is the most abused verse in the Bible sometimes, because what people will say is, if I ask God for anything, and I have enough faith, he has to give it to me. Well, I'm so glad that's not true. Can you imagine what a train wreck this planet would be if everybody just got whatever they asked for? Can I get an amen to that? Now, notice the key to this verse. If we ask, what does it say? Anything what? According to what? His will. Is God smarter than you? We're all idiots compared to God. Amen? Okay? So we don't ask according to our will. We ask according to his will. People say, oh, if you had faith, you wouldn't ask according to his will. Well, the Bible says to ask according to his will because his will is perfect. Amen? Now, God answers every prayer. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and the one most people like least, sometimes he says wait, amen? But the reality is God does answer our prayer. God hears your prayers. Isn't it good to know that Baal's been torn? You're not having to wait for Yom Kippur once a year and only the high priest gets to go. We can pray and cry out to God in the middle of the day as we're driving down the freeway. Keep your eyes open. But, you know, we can pray anywhere and anytime and he hears our prayers. And we can have confidence in that. We come boldly to the Father because we know the Son. The word confidence there is boldness, the liberty of access and speech. Confidence to come before the throne of grace. God loves it when we pray. Did you know that? He loves it when we pray. You shall make my Father's house a house of? He loves it when we pray. You know who hates it when we pray? There you go. You want to get Satan ticked off? Get on your knees and start praying. Can I get an amen to that? If you want to have, come into the presence of the Lord and bring joy to his presence, come boldly before the throne of grace and cry out to him. We come boldly to the Father because we know the Son. Those who don't know the Son cannot come at all. 
says that we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. In these few words, again, we find both the keys and answers to prayer that some things can hinder our prayers. First, uh, God would have us ask in prayer. It says in, in James 4, where do wars and fights come from? From where do they not come from? From your desires, from pleasure, the wars in your members, your lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. As Christians, we often make the mistake of giving into the battle in giving our situation to the Lord. Our prayer life should not be the last resort. It should be the first place we go. Have you ever done this? I've done it. You try everything else and you're like, well, I guess I can pray. Am I the only one that's ever done that? You know what I mean? You'll try to fix it yourself. You'll try to figure out a way to make it work. You'll try to make it happen. And then you go, oh, well, yeah, I guess I can pray. Or you hear, you'll even have some people say this to you. They'll say, well, you know, I can't really do anything for you, but I guess I can pray for you. That's the greatest thing anybody could ever do for you. Amen? We lose sight of the fact of the power of prayer. We battle with temptation. We strive to bring about what we think is right. We go to war against the world, the enemy, and our, fl- and our flesh, and we fail miserably because we do it in our own efforts. We need to come boldly to the throne of grace and ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can walk in victory. We can triumph over sin and death, and we can flee from temptation. Amen? And that comes from a, a prayer life that's passionate for God. God tells us to ask. He already knows. So why does he tell us to ask? Why? Because he wants us to communicate our heart to him. And again, sometimes we tell people we're praying for them, and then we forget. Anybody else ever done that? Anybody done that? I'm confessing. So this is what I usually do now. Someone says, can you pray for me, dear Heavenly Father? (laughs) Because I might forget. Have you ever had someone walking towards you? You remember you told them you would pray for them, and you hadn't yet, so you prayed for them as you're walking toward them, (laughs) so you could tell them that you prayed? (laughs) Am I the only one? Oh, I was supposed to pray. Dear Lord, I pray for him. You know, been praying for you, bro. Amen. <laughs> the last 10 seconds, right? Talking about prayer and praying are two different things. We talk about it more than we do it. I'll pray for you, bro, and we forget. E.B. E. Myers said this. I love this quote. I love this quote. Love this quote. The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, it's unoffered prayer. We have not because we ask not, amen? If we want to see revival, let's pray for it. If we want to see God do great things in our families, our homes, our marriages, let's pray for it. If we want to see revival come to our nation, let's pray for it, amen? God wants us to ask. Much prayer fails because it never asks for anything. And uh, you know what else? I'm not, I, I'm not going to speak for God, but I don't think he likes general prayers. I think he likes specific. God bless the world. Okay. How are you going to know that's answered? Can I get an amen to that? I want to pray by name for people specifically. Amen? Specific prayer. Pray for people by name. Watch what God will do. God should not be the last resort, the first place we turn to. God cares about our whole life, and nothing is big or small, too big or too small to pray about. Do you know what I do when I lose my keys? I pray. Anybody else pray for their keys? I've had my, been looking for my keys for 45 minutes. And then I'm like, I'm going to be late for this meeting. I'm going to be in trouble. With, or, I, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, can you help me find my keys in Jesus' name? Will you please help me find my keys? I will praise your name when I find my keys. And then he go, go check your jacket pocket. And there they are. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> 
And I was 45 minutes looking because I didn't pray 45 minutes ago. Can I get him under that? There's nothing too small to ask God for. I love this illustration. Two pastor's wives sat mending their husband's pants. One of them said to the other, my poor John, he is discouraged in his church work. He said just the other day he was considering resigning. It seemed nothing goes right for him. The other replied, why? My husband was saying just the opposite. He's so enthused, it continued, he's so enthused, it seems like the Lord is closer to him than ever before. A hushed silence fell as they continued to mend their trousers. One was patching the seat, the other was patching the knees. One guy sat and did nothing, and the other one was on his knees crying out to God. And God was moving in that man's life and not in the other one. Ask anything, bring it to the Lord. And we need to do that, amen? We ask anything, we bring everything in prayer, and we ask according to his will. Prayer's motivation should not be to get our will done in heaven, but his will done on earth. Amen? Prayer doesn't change God's mind, it changes our hearts. Then you, yeah. So pray about everything. Let's finish. I'm going to finish up because I want to, we're going to get into prayer groups and we might go a couple minutes over. We just talked about prayer and if you just walk out going, oh, it's two minutes after, I got to go. <laughs> prayer is important, isn't it? Look what it says in verse 15. And, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If you abide in my word and my words abide in you, ask what you desire and it will be done for you. When we abide in the Lord, when we come boldly before him, again, we can cry out to him, we can seek his face and the Lord will hear us. When we ask according to God's will, when we pray the promises of God, here's something, here's something you should never pray about. Anything that the Bible says is wrong. Amen? Lord, I just pray that you will really bless my... my uh, my drug deal this week. <laughs> no. Lord, I really pray that you'll give me that unsaved woman in the office that I've been lusting after. No. We don't pray for things that are contrary to the word of God. And you can't know what's contrary to the word of God if you don't read the word of God. Amen. So when we spend time in the word, we should pray according to his word, according to his promises, the things that he's already told us. Amen. And we pray according to his word and we can pray with confidence. We can pray with real faith. Prayer should be so much more than casting wishes to heaven. It is rooted in understanding God's will and the promises according to his word and praying them into action. For, for each and every prayer request, we should be able to ask, what possible reason do I have to think good will, God will answer this prayer? We should be able to answer that question from his word. If we're praying something, we should be able to say, you know what? The Lord would desire this. We pray, Lord, give me a divine appointment with my boss tomorrow to tell him about Jesus. Does God want to answer that prayer? What's the answer? Lord, I pray that you would just bless my marriage. I pray you bless my kid. You can pray for things that you know are according to God's will, and you can pray those things with confidence. I had a few more things, but I don't want to cut short our opportunity to pray. You know, we haven't done this in a long time here, and that's on me. So forgive me. You should make my father's house a house of prayer. Here's what I want us to do. I want you to get with two or three people, and here's what I want you to do. Just ask them for one thing you can pray for them. One thing. Something that's on your heart, that's dear to you. How can I pray for you? And here's what I want you to do. I want you guys to pray in your circle. And if you don't feel comfortable praying out loud, let the other people pray. That's okay. I just want you to be in the circle, okay? But here's what I want you to commit to doing. I want you not only to pray for them now, but I want you to commit to pray for that person all week long. Amen? 
Whatever that prayer request was, pray for that throughout the week for that person. And you know what? Our God answers prayer. And we need to pray more in this fellowship. Amen? And you know what? It may be that you need prayer to be comforted because you're weeping, because you're grieving. You may need prayer because of a difficulty you're going through at work and a trial or struggle in your marriage or with your kids, whatever it is. And guys, let's just be transparent with each other and let's take some time and pray. Amen? Heavenly Father, as we go now to this time of prayer, Lord, I pray for even those who might feel a little uncomfortable praying out loud, the Lord, we would set aside all of that, those distractions. And Lord, we would take these few moments to enter into your throne room, to come and pray on behalf of another and allow others to pray for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.